630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Nurse, beautiful move to the net. Great shot, score! And Anderson completes a dramatic comeback. Cassie left it for McDavid, drives the net. What a shot! Top right corner, unbelievable. Two flyers straight all over him. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. Oilers captain Connor McDavid, one of the members from the NHLPA on the competition committee, talking over some possible rule changes. Well, here are the recommendations made by the competition uh, to the committee today in Toronto. Expanding video review and the coaches challenge. The recommendation is that there could be a, a referee's ability to review some of his own calls made on the ice. Uh, also a rule that if your helmet comes off during play, you'd have to uh, go straight to the bench. That if a goalie unnecessarily freezes the puck, such as on a shot from outside the attacking zone, that the defensive team would not be permitted a line change and the offensive team would have the choice of where the faceoff is in the attacking zone. Those are some of the keys coming down. I know these still have to be uh, approved by the executive board of the NHLPA and the NHL's board of governors. But obviously, I think the video review there is one that's going to highlight this for a lot of you listening. Certainly a discussion we've had on this show several times in recent years and actually after that San Jose-Vegas major penalty that led to the big San Jose rally in the first round should a referee be able to review a call like that on a major penalty so we uh, appear to be taking a step in that direction thanks a lot for tuning in tonight it is 607 inside sports on oilers and eskimos radio 630 ched eskimos first game of the season on friday 5:30 for the countdown to kick off game at seven dave campbell and morley scott will have the call morley will join me in half an hour tomorrow in this time slot the big one the biggest game of the year the final game of the season in the nhl Game 7 between the St. Louis Blues and the Boston Bruins. The Bruins have been in this situation before. They won Game 7 over Vancouver in 2011 and one member of that team, Edmonton's own Andrew Ference. Andrew, welcome back to Inside Sports. How are you doing? Doing just fine, Reed. And yourself? I'm doing very well. It's great to have you on the show again. I, uh, I appreciate you checking in and uh, I, I want to take you down memory lane here. Not not too far down memory lane to, to 2011. I, Andrew, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start by asking you a question about June 14th, 2011. Because that was the day before Game 7 when you guys beat the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, you know, and this is the day before the game, what the Blues and current Bruins are going through now. What were you doing the day before Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Final? Ah, I'm pretty sure it was a travel day, uh, to be honest. Uh, we didn't have the, the luxury of these spaced out two days in between games uh, scheduled that they have right now. So um, that was uh, obviously putting on some, some heavy miles uh, in, during that series. And, uh, yeah, we traveled to Vancouver, I think, quite early and, and uh, actually got on the ice. And I remember... Um, I think that the the Canucks were kind of trying to mess with us or something like that because they uh, they were trying to change the practice times and, and this and that. Uh, but we we got on the ice for uh, I think a pretty short skate after we you know flew all the way across the country and and just kind of had a 
relaxing dinner, and that's about it, really. I mean, it was very, very low-key. Uh, you know, I, I'm wondering, this is such an exciting moment in pro sports, a, a Game 7, a Game 7 of a championship series. I know you played hockey all your life, and you played in other Game 7s, um, but did, did it ever pop into your mind, like, oh my, like this, I'm going to play in a historic game. Like, did, did that ever enter your mind? Any nerves come in where maybe you had to settle it down or maybe let those thoughts, you know, come in and then just then just put them aside? I'm just wondering if some of that, you know, that human stuff, that regular sort of reaction to a big moment uh, crept in the day before the game. Yeah, well, so I had, I mean, actually was, uh, I think, the only guy that had played a Game 7 before. So when I was with Calgary, uh, we lost Game 7 to Tampa uh, in the finals. And so... Um, obviously the other side of the coin of, of losing, but uh, I had that whole, like you said, the day before and the prep and, and all the stuff you go through mentally uh, to get ready for a game seven in the finals. Um, you know, I think those are five guys on Boston right now that have that from, from the last time around. And, and to be honest, it was a massive advantage to, to ha- you know, to have gone through that before and, and to kind of draw off the experience and, and some things that I would have liked to change for my preparation. Um, and it sounds, it sounds goofy, but, um, honestly, things like sleep, you know, like how to, how to turn your mind off and, and stop thinking about, you know, what you're going to do with the, you know, your day with the cup and thinking about the parade and all the, you know, how insane the city is going to be, you know, you, you run through these scenarios because, you know, this has been your childhood dream for, you know, you know, and and now you're right there, and you can you can practically touch it. So the first time around uh, with Calgary, I, I did, I think everything wrong. You know, I, I thought about it, I dreamt about it, it kept me up at night. You know, I had such short sleeps and uh, you know really restless uh, at the very time when you need the most rest and, and recovery. And and speaking to my teammates, you know, from that team, you know, everybody's everybody's going through the same thing. You know, it was hard for everybody to sleep, and their minds were all going crazy. Um, so that was actually something that you know we really talked about in Boston um, in the in the finals as we kind of got on in the series and uh, something I shared with the, with the guys just about you know find a routine you know like listen to podcasts whatever it is that helps you get to sleep and get your mind off of you know dreaming about the cup and your day with it and the parade et cetera et cetera and really just try to turn off all those distractions and um, and it sounds almost you know cruel but you kind of go into ultra selfish mode so i know that there's even quite a few guys that you know didn't bring their families to game seven like my parents didn't come they came in in calgary they they flew down to tampa and you know came to game seven and and took it all in and it was horrible obviously because we lost uh but the second time around in vancouver um you know they actually asked they're like do you want us there and i'm like honestly no like just stay at home well what if i win we'll have a day with it you know it'll be amazing we'll we'll do it upright um, but my wife was the only one that came up for that game. So even, even you know, this distraction of family and planning all that kind of stuff and extracurriculars, you know, it's a drain on you. So um, yeah, so having gone through it once was was a was a really big advantage. Well, I I love how you put that, and I love how you contrast the two different experiences. And Andrew, Andrew, I got to tell you, you're not the first athlete to tell me that when it got to a big game, whether it was a Stanley Cup final or or the week of the Grey Cup, you know, all of a sudden the the guy you you sat next to in Grade Five science class wants tickets to the game, right? <laughs> uh, well, yeah, unfortunately, I mean that 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 happens that happens in round one, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but uh, but I mean. It, it 
It, and you want to, I mean, it, like I said, it sounds, you know, it sounds kind of worse than it actually is. Like, you you, you know, you're hooking family up and, and you're buying tickets and, you know, you're doing all, doing all that stuff. But, uh, you know, usually, you, you know, that's something that uh, either the, the, the team takes care of or the, you know, wives or girlfriends take care of, you know, to, to really you know stay inside your little bubble of of playoffs and not thinking about anything and 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 just having as few distractions as possible right because you know the last thing you need is you know your you know second cousin you know calling during the middle of your nap you know wondering where they pick up their tickets so it's just uh, <laughs> it's, yeah it happens though it, it definitely happens but uh you know what those guys are going through right now it, it, like i said it's something about you've dreamed about your whole life it's something that you have no you know, no other previous experience to really draw on, you know, to, to prepare for. And, uh, like, like I said, the emotions and the dreams and all those things, they're a powerful thing and, and they can, you know, they can, you know, propel you to greatness, but I think they can also be a big drain on your energy. And, and, uh, it's just a matter of how you use them and, and when you use them, because, uh, like I said, if you spend, you know, three days, you know, thinking about all these things and dreaming about them all. By the time you actually get to the game, you're you probably even more worn out than you would have been, you know, uh, otherwise. So, uh, you know, like, like I said, I'm, I'm I'm definitely biased towards Boston, anyways, because I'm cheering for them. But <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, uh, but listen, you know, experience it, it helps for sure. Former NHL defenseman Andrew Ference joining us then at Inside Sports. You guys won Game 7 in Vancouver 4 nothing. actually the only uh, road victory in that series. It had been a homer series up to that point. Uh, you know, 4 nothing, a uh, couple goals in the second period to extend a one nothing lead to a 3 nothing lead. Um, so you're in the game. You're in the most intense environment you could be in. And I, I know you never relaxed, but... Did you ever start to feel really confident at any point in the game where it's like, man, we we got this? We like I know I know you had the lead and you don't want to let your foot off the gas, but did you ever really sense it on the bench or when you stepped out on a shift like we are in control here, we're getting the cup at the end? Literally not till we scored an empty net goal. I mean, it was just the last like few minutes. I forget at what time of game, maybe two three minutes left in the game where. Um, we really allowed those emotions to kind of come out and and it's it's a funny experience like of the of everything uh, those last couple minutes of the game is my favorite part of everything uh, because it kind of you know you you're you spend so long you know just locking you know locking out your emotions and trying to keep an even keel and not get too high and not get too low all those clichés it's like you're actually trying to do those things right and so um, you know, like I said, you're in that bubble. You're not trying to think about things. You're not trying to, uh, yeah, you're not trying to do anything emotionally, right? And so finally, you know, it's it's silly, but you kind of catch an eye with a guy on the bench or the coach, and you know, you scored the empty net, and you're like, okay, like there's no way they're coming back from this. And everybody kind of came to the same, you know, realization at the same time that you know we, we can actually finally let that emotion out right and and it's like a you know a release on a you know like a pressure valve just kind of just blowing up because you know you've, you've held it in for so long and and uh those last few minutes you know last couple minutes of the game to you know just have an opportunity to soak it up and think about it and you know you, like i said you spent your whole childhood wondering what it would feel like and it, it literally had time to process it and like wow this is what it feels like <laughs> you know you're looking around and uh you know just yeah, like I said, looking at your teammates uh, beside you on the bench and even the coaches behind you, 
and everybody's having the same experience, right, of, of living out this childhood dream. And uh, it was really magical, you know. It was a, uh, those couple minutes were just absolutely precious because you'd never, you know, you know you're probably never going to feel it again. So um, it was, yeah, it was a really special, special, you know, few minutes. But it was like up until that point, like not a chance. Nobody said anything. Nobody talked about it. You didn't allow yourself to you know to think about it, it was literally just one shift to the next you know total business and uh uh yeah once uh once we kind of got that into net it was it was you know party time Andrew, I'm sure you know Joe Haggerty, who um, covers the Boston Bruins, uh, and he was on with with Stauffer earlier today, and he made an interesting observation that that in 2011, it was the Bruins bringing a very physical game and the Canucks bringing more of a skating game and hoping to get on special teams, whereas this year, it's it's the Blues who maybe are playing a more bruising style uh, as opposed to the Bruins. They've been taking advantage of their power play. And look, obviously, teams have strengths in both areas but maybe if you had to classify them uh has, has that struck you at all uh watching the series how you know you could, maybe the the roles are reversed for the bruins as compared to where they were in 2011 or is it maybe not fair in your mind to say that well i mean it's a different league i mean even in that short amount of time i mean the game is different uh and i and i think you know <laughs> like I said, I'm maybe a little bit biased, but I think the Bruins have a little bit more pushback than, than the Canucks did definitely in that series, um, you know, where I think they're trying not to engage, you know, going out of their way not to engage, right? So, um, yeah, so I don't know if it's a, a fair comparison, but, you know, any team can win the Cup, you know, if you're a skilled team, if you're hard-hitting, if you're, you know, really tight defensively. It's just a matter of who executes their system the best and, you know, gets those lucky bounces and has the hot goalie. And, you know, I don't think, uh, you know, a big bruising team, you know, has any distinct advantage over a skilled team or vice versa. It's just a matter of, you know, who who's executing the best and who's bought in. And, um, yeah, like I said, those, those little tiny plays that make the difference, you know, whether it's a big save here, a big save there. So... Uh, yeah, style of play. I mean, use what you got and 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 try to you know eke out every single bit of uh, uh, of, of you know what you got uh, out, of, out of the type of players that you have on your team. So yeah, what, what? It, it'd be still it'd be silly if that's not the strength of the Bruins or you know to to play a super big you know rough game with the players that are on their roster. It'd be silly for them to try to. Well, and you mentioned that this year's Bruins have more pushback than the than the 2011 Canucks uh, did against you guys. And I mean, look, it went seven games, but you guys had some lopsided wins in that series. I mean, I mentioned the two four nothing wins. You won game three eight one, um, but still, I mean, game seven could have gone either way. But like, did you? Did you sense? I mean, you probably hate this word, but did you sense you were bullying them, or did you sense you were in their heads when it came to the physicality and the aggression? Well, I mean, we had a team, like I said, that was extremely emotional. <laughs> I think it would be a good term for it. You know, we 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 thrived on emotional games. You know, the you know our our most memorable games. You know, for you know years were you know against the Canadians, or we had some big battles against. Dallas where you know there's a bunch of fights and big hits and kind of memorable memorable games where it's you know had had an element of chaos to it right um we didn't have too many memorable games that were you know dominated by real skillful plays it was just usually revolved around you know some pretty rough games and and uh we had a lot of players that responded very well to that right so um you know we knew that we 
you know, if the other team wasn't going to get us there, that we had to, you know, somewhat create it ourselves. And, and so, you know, you have to initiate a lot of that confrontation and a lot of that chaos. And, um, you know, you know, it, to me, it's the, the Canucks probably did the right thing. You know, you know they don't want to, if, if that's our strength as a, as a Bruins team is to, you know, thrive off chaos and off confrontation, you know, yeah, I would probably say the same thing as a Canucks coach. Like, don't give that to them, right? Like, don't don't let them play to their strengths. And and so I think, you know, you could see that play out where you know they they wouldn't you know retaliate and they wouldn't push back. And you know, we you know basically I think took it as far as we could to the line where we weren't taking a ton of penalties and the refs were probably uh, you know probably could have called a few more than they did, but. Hey, that's that's part of the deal, right? We we push pushed uh, the the boundaries of, of legality, I guess, uh, as far as we could, and, and it, it worked out. I, I'm going to borrow that phrase: pushing the boundaries of legality. That's <laughs> I like that one. I'm going to use that next season on hockey broadcast. <laughs> every, every good player does that. Andrew, thanks so much for checking in. Uh, I know you're busy. I know you got some coaching to do tonight, so I appreciate you coming on Inside Sports. I'll see you around this summer. Uh, it's always good to talk about hockey and especially playoff hockey. So nice to talk to you. That is Andrew Ference checking in tonight. So two experiences in Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Final. He talked about how losing in 4 with the Flames helped him be on the winning side in 2011 with the Boston Bruins. Tell you what, let's do some live trivia. 780-496-0063, giving away a four-pack of tickets to the Eskimos game on Friday. And the question will be about the 2011 Stanley Cup champion Boston Bruins uh, to win Eskimos tickets for Friday. Kellen will get you in line. 780-496-0063. You will have to answer live on air with me. Hi, this is Ryan Eugene Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. All right, one of my favorite parts of the show, live trivia. To win a four-pack of tickets to the Eskimos game on Friday against Montreal kicks off at 7. Our coverage on 6.30, Chad, will start at 7.30. So uh, I will ask the question here, and uh, you'll have five seconds to answer. We're going to start with Shane. Shane, you're on with Reed. You ready to rock and roll? Hey, Reed, you bet. All right. So uh, we had Andrew Ference on, so I said the question was related to the 2011 Stanley Cup champion Boston Bruins. Here we go, Shane. Who won the Conn Smythe Trophy for the Bruins that year in 2011? That's easy. Tim Thomas. It was indeed Tim Thomas. I'm impressed. Now, are you a uh, Boston fan, hockey fan? Who's your team? Boston fan since I was five years old. Oh, really? Dare I ask? So what are you now? You sound like you're maybe 21. (laughs) <laughs> 54. Yeah, I know. I was five years old in 1970. Bobby Orr. So you re- you remember that then? Were you watched it? Indeed, yeah. Oh, that's that's good. Uh, now, are, have you been to an Eskimos game recently? Because you're going to go on Friday. Former season ticket holder. Oh, good. Oh, good. Well, I'm glad you're going. Hopefully they're going to have a good squad this year. Shane, can you hang on the line and Kellen will take down your info and let you know how to pick up the tickets? Absolutely. Appreciate it. Nice oh. talking to you, Reed. Yeah, you too, Shane. That is Shane. A uh, little, uh, little hint here, a little bit of a foreshadowing. We, we will have more Eskimos tickets later on in the show. So, uh, you know, keep tuned in. The Oilers uh, making a little bit of news today. Keith Gretzky will be remaining with the organization as assistant general manager, and he's going to be in charge of running the AHL team, the Bakersfield Condors.
I'll run Bakersfield. I'll be the general manager down there. So it's a, it's a, a great opportunity. I think Matt did a great job. We all, you know, chipped in with Bill Scott and, and Scott Housen and all the guys, and you know, there to help Jay and his staff and and build a build the team with success and keep uh, you know the funnel to uh, getting players up to the NHL. All right, full interview with Keith Gretzky on the Oilers Now page on 630Ched.com. Uh, Gretzky was on with Bob Stoffer earlier today. Blue Jays in action tonight, trailing Baltimore 2-1. That one is in the bottom of the fourth. Uh, more on the Eskimos coming up with Morley Scott. More on Game 7 later on with Kelly Rudy. And Caitlin Osmond will join me in studio, now inducted into the Edmonton Sports Hall of Fame after her incredible figure skating career. All ahead on Inside Sports. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chan. All right, good to have you tuning in tonight. Tomorrow in this time slot, hockey for the last time this season. We know it's going to end tomorrow. Blues and Bruins in Game 7. It'll start at 6. The Raptors will be back at it on Thursday as they go to Oakland for Game 6 of the NBA Finals. We'll keep you updated on uh, Inside Sports that night. Kellen, he's in studio. Kellen, do not call Morley. He's right here. I just, I just saw, I just My saw. My phone's ringing. I just saw on the, on the, we, for, <laughs> for people who don't uh, see it, and why, and why would you? We have a screen here that that shows all the, all the phone calls, and I can tell when Kellen's picking it up to dial a guest. I'm sorry, <laughs> and, but and I, I well, you know what? Phone, it does so. say to call Morley, but I, I thought you saw him. <laughs> I thought you saw him walk in. We could do it over the phone while he's in the same room. Probably be a bit of an echo. It's like Ron Burgundy over here. If I see it, I'll do it. So, so uh, Thursday we'll have. Inside Sports, uh, and Fred, uh, Fred Stamps is scheduled to join us on Thursday. So that'll be fun, because he's uh, got the retirement ceremony on Friday night. What else is on Friday? Tom Cochran's Tom performing. Tom Cochran's going to be there. Allen's Damon Allen's going to be, gonna be, gonna be, gonna be town. at the game. Kenny Ladler's going to be here as well Hanging for the out game. on the sidelines. Yeah. And then Sunday, if they need one, uh, now we don't have the basketball game, but just to let people know, if, if there is a Game 7 yeah. in the Raptors, it goes Sunday. Father, Can you imagine Father's what Day. the ratings will be for a Game 7 in that series? Well, they're getting over $6 million a game, yeah. on yeah. whether it's on SportsCenter or TSN. 13-something million watch part watch of Watch at least night. part yeah. of it, which is yeah. that's what, about a third of the country now? Averaging about $6 million. Um, that's that's a lot of people. Dr. Naismith would be very proud. <laughs> Doctor, okay, just a total aside here. And I'm sure there are basketball historians out there. Dr. Naismith would be horrified if he saw the NBA. <laughs> like, he'd be like, you realize... Where's the peach baskets? You're, yeah, first of all, no peach baskets. Second of all, he would be like, all right, you realize I created this as a non-contact sport? And then he would say, and also... Uh, I, I meant that about traveling. I meant that about the one step. Even if you can Wait, sprint in what and he dunk. Would say, no, he would, say, he would say, I meant traveling was for everybody. <laughs> Everybody who travels should be called, not yes. just some of the guys. Not just and everybody. Yeah, even if, and they that, that was for the few years ago. The NBA basically said if you're completing a breakaway, like they basically said if you're going in and yeah. doing a spectacular <clears throat> dunk, yeah. they'll let you pick. If up you the can make people go, Ooh, we'll let you travel. Yeah, so. <laughs> that's that's right. If it's a nice play, you. Won't I, I got to give travel. it. I got to hand it to Canadian basketball fans, though. All 13 million of you out there. Uh, we went from. When they you, you just learned who DeMar DeRozan was, and then they traded him for who? Uh, you didn't know who Kawhi Leonard was. Then 
I'm talking in sweeping generalities here. I know I'm insulting. Yeah, you're, you're some talking. You're talking the there, very casual. Then, you're not because there are there are a lot of people who are hardcore basketball yes, fans absolutely. and hardcore Raptors fans. Absolutely, but most Canadians didn't know who Kawhi Leonard was a year ago. Uh, they didn't know. Since then, they've not only learned how to spell his name, they've learned to recognize him without his name being under his picture on the television. So yeah. it's been a very, uh, very, I, very learning spring for basketball fans. I, I love. Uh, I, I've been watching a lot of the basketball games with with my parents, uh, especially in in the finals. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, I, yesterday I, I went to their place uh, when I got home. It was late in the first half. It was actually just after Durant got got hurt. I didn't see that live. And uh, my mom is the best because my mom gets very emotional. I've told you stories about watching Eskimos games with her. Yep. And I used to do, uh, when the Oilers were in the playoffs, I used to do a little segment called Text from My Mom. And I would read texts that my mom sent me during the game. Yep. Like, it would be like, I hate Martin Jones. Like, you know, Corey Perry's a jerk. And my, my mom has decided that uh, Danny Green shouldn't be, shouldn't be on the team. Really, but Danny Green's just, just, like just no good. Just yeah. does, does no misses too many shots. Yeah. Bad haircut. Just <laughs> I'll agree with the haircut. Can't, can't be out there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then again, this is my mom who had watched zero yeah. Raptors games yeah. in her entirety before. Who learned who Danny Green was three ago. weeks ago? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. but has subsequently but made that, a decision the, on. But that's the joy of being a sports yeah. fan. Right? Absolutely right. Brings everybody together. We were talking about it last night with Jason Moss and the coaches show how it's so cool how sports just unites everybody. And with the Raptors, they're doing it with a country. It's fantastic. Well, and when you were on a couple of weeks ago, we talked uh, to me, and, and you know, like, like, like we're now both you know middle-aged men, so we realize some of the well, things. I'm old. You're middle-aged. Some of the things we talk about, we know there's a generation of athletes or of uh, fans who didn't experience it, and it's been what 26 years since the Blue Jays won. Mm-hmm. So basically, if you're under 30, the Blue yeah. Jays winning the World Series is foreign to you. I, yep. don't, I don't know if there are a lot of three-year-olds. You know, people born people people born 1990 or later, you're not going to really remember it. But th- this is the closest thing to me, and that's the interesting irony is that when it comes to hockey, and I know there are Maple Leafs fans from coast to coast, but generally in Edmonton, people would not want want the Maple Leafs to do well. They would not want the Toronto team to do well. That's but correct. Blue Jays and Raptors, uh, they're different. on board. And, and, it, and this reminds me of the Blue Jays putting it together in 92 and 93. It does. Everybody's been united right behind them. And, and you know, I, what I can't believe is people making plans to get home in time to watch the basketball game, yeah. which is, are things that we've never heard in Canada. Well, our producer, uh, one of our producers, Brad, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, he went to a, a, a pub on uh, Friday to watch, which whatever game that was, yeah. game uh, four, I guess, and he said they gave the whole pub was reservations. Yeah, like nobody could have just walked in and watched the game. Wow, like, it, it's it's pretty incredible. Uh, for me, it's uh, my family. Me and my son are the sports fans. My wife and my daughter are not. And my son's married and moved out now, so I don't have anyone to watch sports with. But my wife's been watching basketball. And she's like, she's like, probably like your mom a little bit. Say, like, oh, whoa, she's so emotional yeah. about her, right? You know, and then, oh, that was so close, you know. And, and my daughter, not a sports fan, but her boyfriend's watching it. So now my daughter said to me, I said, what are you doing tonight? And she goes, this is yesterday. She goes, I'm just going over to Spencer's and we're going to go and watch the basketball game somewhere. Yeah, like, that's cool. She's never said that to me before. She's never said anything even close to that. Well, it's cool. And, and I realize that. You know, I had somebody text last week and said, oh, this means nothing for Canadian basketball. All the people are going to jump off the bandwagon. Nah. So, some people will, but that, but that's that's a, a false statement. And why are there... There are 13 Canadians in the NBA. That's a whole team mm-hmm. worth of players. There could be as many as eight Canadians picked in the draft. 
that's the fallout from one Canadian being a good player. Yeah. Steve Nash, you know, a dozen years ago, over a dozen years ago yeah. now. So what's the fallout going to be from 10, 15 team, years yeah. from the Canadian team exactly. being yeah. good? Well, I remember, I can't even, I wish I could remember his name now. I, uh, there was, I remember when I was doing hockey, there was a, a kid who started playing for the, he was, he was with the Kings, and he was dubbed the first Gretzky Californian. Like, he was the first guy who was born after Gretzky was traded to the Kings that made it to the NHL. Yeah. And and that's, you know, that's the, you'll see the ripple effect. Yeah, and, and, and now you got Austin Matthews, yeah. you know, born in Arizona, you know, exactly, mixed-race yeah. parents, yeah. and, you know. Uh, and I think the the new Canadian Basketball League, man, they have timing. Like, this is the perfect time for them because people, you know, and, and the, the Stingers are getting, they're getting a bit of a buzz, right? People are, yep. in, no pun intended there, but yeah. people are people are talking about it. Like, I, I haven't been to a game yet, and I'm excited to go to a game when it fits into my schedule, but I see Twitter, and people are having a good time at those games, and I think it's a carryover. That is from, a good environment. From I was knowing I the game that they're watching yeah. on TV to carrying over to that game. They know something about the game. They've learned about the game watching the Raptors on TV, and they take that experience to the gym to watch the Stingers or the Golden Bears or whoever the case it is, and they'll enjoy themselves even more now. Uh, Morley Scott in studio. We'll get uh, to some Eskimos news in a couple of minutes. Tomorrow is Game 7 of the Cup Final. You covered one of those, broadcast one of those in person right here on 630 Ched in 2006 when the Oilers lost to Carolina. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a, a, what a ride that, that year was. That, that playoff run was just a great ride. And, and that's cool. I, I heard some guys talking today from St. Louis just talking about getting to the very last game. You know, no matter what, this is the very last game of the year. Someone gets a party and someone gets to cry in their beer when it's all over with. So it's, it's a great atmosphere and a great feeling going into the game. I, I was telling you, there's two things I remember from the game. First, I remember is in Carolina... Uh, Everybody stood the whole game. The, f- the fans in the stands, they all stood the entire game. Nobody sat down. Uh, I remember that. And, and this, the, the play, the on-ice play, I remember more than anything else, is late in the game. It was 2-1. I think there's like, I, I'm not sure the time. If it was like three, five minutes left, something like that. It's 2-1. And Fernando Pisani, who scored on everything he touched in those playoffs, a puck came from behind the net. And the Cam Ward was out of position, and it was an empty net, basically an empty net, and he had a chance to tie the game at two, and the pass was in his skates. And he couldn't, he's stopping, and he's got a stick out, and he's stopping, and the puck goes into his skates, and he just couldn't get a handle on it, and it ends up going into the corner mm-hmm. or wherever, and the Hurricane scored a, uh, an empty net goal after that. And it's funny, in the press box in Carolina the next year when I went back to the game, when the owners were there, in the press box, there's a pitcher, and it's just a fantastic picture. It's heartbreaking and so cool all at the same time. It is like from the camera in the net. And you can see it's looking up. And you can see Fernando, he's putting the brakes on. You can see the puck in his skates. And you can see the scoreboard behind him with the score and the time right. left in the game. And it's just a real cool picture. And that that picture is kind of my lasting memory from that Game 7. Yeah. Uh, and then, then thinking, I never thought I wouldn't be happy to see Doug White lift the Stanley Cup. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Morley Scott in studio, play-by-play voice for the Edmonton Eskimos. All right, I'm going to get to, uh, this is a, just a quick audio compilation. Sean White, kicker for the team, talking to Morley after practice yesterday. And then Brock Sunderland was on the show with me last night, about 24 and a half hours ago, and I played this clip for him and asked him about it. So it's the white clip and then Sunderland's reaction. Uh, last year I thought we were good for half the season and then you had a, 
a case of people just thinking they're too good to be better. They thought they were better than the team and bigger than the team. And, you know, everyone's got to realize they're a small piece to a big puzzle. And I think this team gets it. Everyone knows the rules. And uh, that's, uh, that's what makes a championship team. And I think we're growing together. Now we just got to get a couple wins in and get into a nice little rhythm. Uh, what I think is I'm going to give you my best Bill, best Bill Belichick. And uh, 2018 is over, so we're on to 2019. All right, so Sunderland didn't want to touch it. And White... Continued to talk about that with other reporters, mm-hmm. and uh, actually did the use the dreaded c word, uh, cancers, in relation to some players who were on the team last year, all of whom are now are, are now gone. Uh, pretty strong words uh, for him to kind of come out and take a shot at. And look, he didn't say who it is. We're not going to go through all the list of ex- It's hard to narrow it down because there's so many guys who are gone from But, it, but it's too. interesting he was, yeah. he was that well, strong. To me, I've heard that from a couple of players off the record just saying, like, you know, our dressing room's better now from, from the guys that aren't coming back. Are, you know, and I heard that as much as, like, in February, guys saying our dressing room's going to be better this year. So there was clearly an issue last year, uh, and that happens on teams, and it, and it happens. And, and let's face it, this, this nucleus... Uh, and I and, it, and I'm, I I really want to be careful because I, I I can't imagine it's players like like Mike Riley or J C Sherrod those guys. But that nucleus was together for a long time, like since 2013, 2014, right? They were pretty much together for a long time, and I think they got a little stale. And and I think that's why I'm excited about this year. I think the changes that they've made have been good for the franchise and will be good for the team on the field. But clearly, just watching the team last year, there was something wrong because that team was too good and too talented to finish where they finished and not and and lose games. Well, it was how they lost. Yeah, and lose games the way the they lost half, games. There were you could point to four or five ga- and all all road games. Yep. Well, because they were seven and two at home and yep. they got blown out. Unfortunately, the two losses. So that happened. But four or five road games were where they, where they blew particular. it. Two in Vancouver, uh, at, at Ottawa, at Hamilton, at Saskatchewan. Yeah. Yeah. They played almost a perfect. I, and, I and, mean, the game. I the game to me that really stands out for that is Hamilton. I mean, they scored. It was scoreless after the first quarter. Well, that's a good point. They kicked their butts in the. They second scored twenty four straight points in the second quarter. Led twenty four nothing at the half. They could have beat the New England Patriots in the second quarter, they couldn't have beat the Golden Bears in the second half because they were just, it just, everything just turned off. So I think that's what Sean is is saying. And when we did, and you know, I think Blake hinted at this a couple times last year too, that he got the impression there might have been some players who were paying a lot of attention to their stat lines and saw maybe halfway through the third quarter they had their 80 yards or 100 yards and and the gas pedal wasn't or six tackles or whatever or whatever yeah. position yeah. you yeah, want yeah you're right yeah. you're you're absolutely right. I, I i think that was the case and i and i think that they went out of their way this year not only to sign good players but to sign good character players and guys that will fit into a room they brought in they brought in leaders from other teams to be the leaders on their team to join their leaders that are still on this team um so yeah it's 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 a different atmosphere uh it's funny the players are the players i've talked to have been so enthralled with what's going on here the new players especially they're really buying into it they're really enjoying themselves and i I, I i've talked to so many players over the last couple of weeks new players i can't remember who it was who said it to me but he's been on about three or four teams in his career and he said i am so glad i came to edmonton last because i would hate to come here first and experience this and then have to go and play somewhere else because 
what they do for the players in Edmonton is so good as far as the, the facilities go, the way they treat the players, the way the coaching staff is with the players. It's it's These players believe it's better than they've had it in any other franchise they've been on. Well, I heard Moss talking yesterday, too, and it's, you know, it's going to be an interesting year for Jason. And, and hey, look, we gotta, we got to be honest here. A lot of fans did not want Moss back. So it's a pivotal year for him as well. But I did hear him saying on your show last night about doing some drills to build camaraderie. Mm-hmm. But, but I mean, it's not all touchy-feely, but also getting to know your guy, getting to know interest. So when you're on the field, you know, maybe you feel like, all right, I got to go to battle this guy. Like, he's my friend. He's not yeah. just my teammate. He's my friend. Hey, it's obviously it all sounds great before you've played a game, but, yeah. but hopefully it uh, it translates on you the field a little bit. you got to put the bit. proof in the pudding, as they say, right? Uh, later on in the show, sometime before 8, we're going to play King's Court. Tell me a little bit about this. Uh, Ryan King's doing a little show for us this year. It's going to be uh, every Tuesday morning on the 6.30 Ched Morning News with Bruce and every Tuesday night on Inside Sports with uh, Reed Wilkins. Uh, he's just going to just gonna corner a guy and talk to him. He's going to try and, you know, it's going to be a little football, but it's going to be a, a lot of life. He talks with uh, Natea Jay about the, about the Raptors, about training camp and about food he likes to eat stuff it's uh, it's pretty entertaining and so uh ryan king's going to be a, a member of our uh, of our team this year as well as a member of the eskimos do you want to just uh stick around for a couple minutes we should sure. talk about the uh, the 13 nothing game today yeah sure morley scott in studio inside sports on 6 30 chad Subscribe to the Inside Sports Podcast. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your podcasts. This is 630 Chad Inside Sports. Jay texting into 630-630 says, Hey, Reed and Morley, I remember watching Vince Carter do the dunk competition in 2000 at the NBA All-Star Weekend. I will never forget that. His dunks are forever in my head and were inspiring. You could say Vince Carter also helped and changed a generation of basketball fans in Canada. I think that's a very good point. That was the last time I remember basketball being appointment viewing. I was in BC at my niece's wedding and at the gift opening on the Sunday was Game 7 against Philadelphia where Vince missed the shot. And everybody's opening the presents in the backyard and there's a bunch of guys in the kitchen or in the living room watching that game on TV. That was the last time I remember, you know, really being excited about basketball. Just to uh, cap off the Eskimos news. Now, unfortunately, not all the big free agent signings from the offseason will play. Uh, Anthony Parker's out for the season. Uh, Sir Vincent Rogers is going to miss a considerable time. Uh, we haven't seen Jovan Santos Knox. Right, I'm curious about him because they signed the three linebackers, Dean, Unamba, and Santos Knox. Yeah. I haven't seen Santos Knox at practice this week, so okay. he hasn't had a he hasn't had a he's had like one full practice. He broke his foot in the final game of the year last year in Edmonton, playing for Winnipeg, and I think they're just being extremely cautious with him. So who takes his spot? Uh, it is going to be uh, Diggs. Vontae Diggs. Vontae Diggs will play. Yeah. Okay. So uh, and he's had a pretty good camp too. So. And how's Devaris Daniels? Uh, he, I, I, it's hard to tell what's going on with him. Uh, he missed some time on the field over since the Winnipeg game. He played in the Winnipeg game, and then, but he's been out the last couple of days, but not a lot of reps. So I think we'll wait and see how that shakes down with the roster on Thursday. Women's World Cup of Soccer in France. Canada winning yesterday 1-0 over Cameroon. Today, the United States, a 13-0 victory over Thailand, the new record for most goals by a team in the tournament and also largest margin of victory. The previous records, Germany had beaten Argentina 11-0 in 2007. Uh, I think he, here's why the United States is being criticized for this scoreline. 
is that they kept scoring late into the game. And uh, I'm not even going to say the player's name, but, but you, people will see it. The, the sliding leg, yeah. click, leg kick celebration I, on They had goals. a massive celebration when it was for the 9 nothing goal, I believe. And I don't know how it went after that. But they, they celebrated every goal like they just scored in overtime. And I don't... I, I, at the World Cup, you got to run up the score, right? Because... Goals for it could be goal differential. Yeah, it could be. And, and 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 look, it's the highest tournament in the world, so you can't just say we'll never shoot. Yeah, exactly. It's you don't but do like minor hockey that, where everyone's going to touch the puck before yeah, you I shoot. Mean, if right? you have, so if you're, so I don't mind them scoring the goals they scored. I mean, they're a good team. They're the best team in the world, right? Uh, but you don't have to celebrate like that. Score your goals and then just go High back. High five, and, run back yeah, to your position. Just, just say nice play and, and get on with it. Why the choreographed celebrations? I don't understand that. You're going to win. Everybody knows you're going to win. It's the first game, for goodness sakes. Well, and I mean, they were supposed to win this game. Probably, yeah, you're probably supposed to. Yeah, yeah. By a lot. Acting, they were acting like they were surprised they were scoring goals, which they shouldn't be. That's a good point. Yeah, I mean, if you if you if you blow out somebody yeah. where you're supposed to have, it was supposed to have been an overtime game, then then maybe yeah you're like wow we're beating another top team yeah but and this, sure it's fun I mean, Thailand it's didn't fun have a to chance. score goals but not yeah don't don't act that way yeah don't act that way uh, uh, it was Brian Kelly right am I being when you get to the end zone act like you've been there before well some players haven't that's what I always say too some players yeah. haven't. I mean, I don't mind excitement. A yeah. little bit of the choreographed stuff in football, I, I can live with a, a little bit. I was surprised to see this in soccer yeah. and World Cup. Um, and, you know, obviously coming from American players, they're going to get criticized probably even worse than if another country I was doing so. it. All right, Morley, thanks for checking in. Yeah, 5.30 countdown to kick off on Friday. Game at 7, Eskimos and Alouettes. Morley will have the play-by-play. Game 7 of the Cup final tomorrow. Kelly Rudy tees it up when we get back. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.